Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join me are my co-host, Joseph. Yellow. And Jehu. Wow. Back after a couple weeks off to discuss HBO Max's two latest releases. I know it's a double feature day for our, our still unsponsored HBO Max promotion. <laughs> well, probably after we talk about Earwig, they're not going to want to sponsor us. We'll see how it goes. Should we start with that one? I definitely think we should start with that one. So uh, the first one we're going to discuss is Earwig and the Witch, Studio Correct. Ghibli's latest release. It's their first uh, uh, CG effort. C- CGI, yeah. yeah wasn't, it, wasn't, it, wasn't great. Didn't look it, very good. Directed by Goro Miyazaki, he, uh, Hayao Miyazaki's son, who Hayao Miyazaki does not think is a good director. Though his other work, I think, is, is pretty good. Uh, but yeah, it's their, their first CGI work. It's based on another children's novel from the same lady who wrote Howl's Moving Castle. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's about a uh, young girl in an orphanage who's, I guess her actual name was Earwig. I feel like a lot of this movie played on a pun in another language I didn't get. Uh, But who gets adopted by, I guess, like a witch and a demon and has to do a bunch of dirty work is mostly what it is. (laughs) Yep. That's pretty much the plot of the movie. Yeah. And then it ends. And then it ends. (laughs) Okay, so, you know, I, I of the three of us, am the least familiar with the genre and the studio. So here's how I felt after watching it. While I was watching it, I was trying to figure out, okay, I know these guys do movies that are for kids and movies that aren't for kids and movies that are straightforward and movies that are harder to crack. And this was obviously one for kids, but it was so vague at the end of it is like, is what this movie telling me that I'm dumber than the average Japanese child? Well, you probably are dumber than the average Japanese well, child. I know I'm, I'm dumber than almost any adult, but I felt I could take most children, but maybe not after. If Japanese children got this movie, then they're ahead of me. Well, so I'll, I'll tell you something interesting because I was interested in this after I watched this movie. And I think we all probably had a similar reaction to <laughs> where it decided to end. This is actually how the book ends. There's no extra stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this movie is bad, guys. The ending, I think, is a perfect example of what's wrong through the rest of it, which is it just it doesn't feel complete. Like nothing about it feels complete. Yeah. I don't think it looks great. Um, I I didn't see an option to watch it in Japanese, so I watched the English dub. That feels lacking. Um, the in the story, there's like no depth to it. Girl gets adopted. Girl's kind of treated as a slave. Girl's a, a birth mom shows up. That's the whole movie. Um, I did not enjoy this. Yeah, look. So as as the resident Jubilee expert, which I take a lot of pride in. I can say this is definitely not their best work. Uh, but you know what? It's 80 minutes long. It's fairly watchable. It just doesn't really amount to anything. Um, I, I mean, I was planning at the end of this to definitely give it shorter than Transformers. It is shorter than Transformers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, for a lot of the other movies, you know, one of the appeals of the, the hand-drawn animation is it's really pretty to look at. Uh, and... You know, I don't even think it's just CG. I think it's specifically this CG animation does not look great. Uh, no. So, like, it's definitely not coasting on that. And, yeah, as far as, like, narrative, 
like it doesn't really do anything like there's no hero's journey for our our protagonist you know i guess the earwig in the in the earwig and the witch and you know i guess that's okay you can have like uh, the hero's journey the development of the surrounding characters around her but i feel like we just started the beginning of that and then the movie ended <laughs> This was something I wasn't even going to get into because this is kind of my final summation, but that seems like a good setup for it. What this movie felt like to me, and I, I enjoyed it, I guess, more than you guys did. I didn't think I, it was I, I also didn't think it's, it's, I don't think it's terrible. It's definitely not good, but it's very, mm. I think it's watchable. I, I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed the little girl. God knows I enjoy anything with a black cat in it. That's, that's a sucker point for me. But uh, this felt like, there was a four-hour DreamWorks movie that was about a witch who had to leave her child behind to battle an evil <laughs> covering of witches. And then at the end goes back to fight the last one, you know, who has her daughter. But it seems like they cut out a bunch of scenes to make it two hours. And this is all those deleted scenes stuck together. Her, you've just crafted a kick-ass movie in your head. I love that it's it's uh, uh, Kill Bill, but with right. witches, and the final right. boss has your daughter. That's phenomenal. Right. I love that so much. That's I a just, much better movie. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I did not enjoy this at all. I started it. I got about 10 minutes in. I turned it off. I hated it. And then last week, before we had the cat incident... Uh, I was like, well, I have to finish it. And so I sat down and finished it. I would have not done that had it not been for this podcast. I thought this was atrocious, way worse than Transformers. I mean, look, I also think it's worse than Transformers. I would probably rather watch it than like only yesterday, which I thought was just a painful, painful slog. I will say the one thing that bummed me out the most about this movie was how, uh, how miserable it made magic look. Uh, yeah. like it seems like whatever her face was could have been doing better if she just did like a data entry job down the street. Uh, it seemed like a lot less work and a lot less dirty. It totally seemed like it would just be easier to get a job. Yeah, hundred percent, right? Oh God, that made me so sad. It's like if, I, as, if I'm a kid and that's like that's what that's all that magic is. Well, <laughs> shit, that's not worth nothing. I definitely would rather have Doctor Strange magic where you just make weird kung fu poses and then like, you know, electric snakes appeal or appear or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I, I say all the same. We can move on from this. I don't think there's a lot we have to say about it. But if you haven't watched a Studio Ghibli film, please, for the love of God, do not start with this one. <laughs> <laughs> or start with this one just so your bar is set really low and then go on to something better. Yeah. But I would say avoid this one altogether. But that takes us to Judas and the Black Messiah, right? Yep. Uh, this one about uh, Chicago Black Panther leader Fred Hampton, who was killed by the FBI in his sleep and the kind of inside man operation uh, that led to his death. Who's in this movie? Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya, yeah. Uh, Dominique Fishback is uh, Deborah Johnson, who's uh, Fred Hampton's girlfriend. Uh, Jesse oh, Plemons yeah. is uh, Roy Mitchell. The Morally FBI. questionable, of course. Sure. Uh, uh, Martin Sheen is J. Edgar Hoover, which is an interesting turn for Martin Sheen, mm. uh, or for Jed Bartlett. Uh, right. 
And then just to to complete the uh, the get out reunion, Lil Ray is in it just for cameo appearances and other FBI informant. Uh, I like this movie a whole lot. I thought it was very good. I think this movie is is excellent. Yeah, uh, it, this movie made me miss going to the movies more than anything I've seen in a, in quite a while. See, I, I I enjoyed watching this movie a lot, but man, do I think it's a bad choice for us to talk about on this podcast. For what specific reason? Because what do we have to say about this? You know, like yeah, like I I I, I don't know. It just seems like something that you know. I, I don't know. Am I going to say the acting was great or am I going to say something about the filming of it? This is obviously a movie about the point. And I sort of feel like as to the point, I should just shut up and listen to it. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't stopped us from doing other. Uh, we, we did the the one night in Miami, though. I guess you could argue but, that's a little less. Uh, one night in Miami is, is kind of dumb. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I do was, know what you're saying. It was good, but it was also kind of silly. Uh, this this was not silly, uh, you know. Also, you know, I, I I watched it in an afternoon, and man, this is not an afternoon viewing. Yeah, it's not, I, I had a similar huh? problem actually. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, I, I want to be clear. I'm not in any way disrespecting this movie. I think it. I think it was a, a really good movie. Definitely better than Transformers. I just don't know how much I got to think about it. If I interject in this, I may just interject with other news from this week i feel like i'm qualified to talk about. <laughs> just don't bring up gina carano that's all i ask <laughs> okay now leave out gina carano because i definitely had things to say about her but but i won't uh no i mean like, i i get you there the 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 point certainly is a poignant one and one that we probably as three white dudes uh can't contribute much more on but i would add that this movie you know, you know when you watch a movie and they're like uh, people are like trapped in an elevator or something, and you feel claustrophobic. This movie made me feel that about being an undercover cop. That's uh-huh. got to be like the most mental straining job. Just fear for your life because it feels like either side is willing to kill you all the time. And I realize mm-hmm. he wasn't a legitimate cop, but that's what I thought the whole time. I have a friend who's an undercover cop in Detroit, and uh, God, that's got to be the worst, one of the worst jobs ever because. There's no safety or security in that. I thought Lakeith Stanfield really played the balance really, really well and made me feel it when he was uncomfortable. I felt uncomfortable. Right, right, right. As you well know, Lakeith Stanfield is my very favorite. So I, I think he I was phenomenal uh, in it. And even though it's it's less of a, you know, I, I think we're supposed to be more, I don't know, I think engaged without, I don't know if that's the right word, engaged with Lakeith Stanfield's character because he's the one that's kind of going through like, you know, the internal struggle. And I feel like mm-hmm. we're supposed to be struggling with him, I guess. But, uh, you know, Daniel Kaluuya is just like resolute the entire time and fucking kills it. Like, I, I, I would follow that guy. I get it. He's got a lot of uh, a lot of oomph to him. Yeah, he, he brought a lot of like energy to the role. Like he, he definitely demanded your attention anytime he was on screen, which kind of seems true to who that guy was in real life. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I did want to mention about this movie about because, you know, I, I if the drum I'll beat every time we, we watch one of these movies is I feel weird about doing real life stories uh, with some parts that are real and some parts that are fictional. One of the things that I think is important that's the distinction between the actual story and the movie is the age difference. Not that uh, uh, Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya are particularly old guys. Uh, but when he was killed, Fred Hampton was 21 years old. And when he was recruited into the FBI, uh, Bill O'Neill was only 17 years old. 
Yeah, they, uh, which, I, much which I think puts a, a different spin on on kind of you know. One, one thing, one thing I will say: uh, a movie I'm going to be talking about and what we're watching has the worst use of the after the movie text thing, or you know, you know, sort of, you know, during the credits telling you a thing about the thing that you just saw thing I've ever seen in my life. But this one was really good when it. This is already a gut punch at the end, and and it's basically like, well, in case you're having any of illusions of enjoying your day here's what happened after this yeah uh i also want to get into jesse plemons career choices so like first off in general it's hard for me to imagine i i you know i don't know how other people besides me feel about kirsten dunst and her like attractiveness or whatever but for me she was mary jane at a time when that was like a formative thing in my life she's like always got that like you know the girl next door thing for me uh, right. And and for for me to imagine that she looks Jesse Plemons in the face every day it is like this man is sexy. I love this man, <laughs> and it's not just like cowering in fear of him. I don't I don't get it. Uh, I thought you were just going to talk about Fargo. They're together in real life. Yeah, no, they're together in real life. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing is, so like Jesse Plemons has talked before about the fact that like, and, and you know, a lot of actors I think say this. You know, mm-hmm. they have like their own vision of how much ego they don't have. But Jesse Plemons has said repeatedly in interviews before that he doesn't really care if you like him. And most of the time, most actors, if they said that, I don't believe them. Jesse <laughs> Plemons, I fucking believe you, man. You can stop. <laughs> I, I definitely think like watching in this, I was like, that guy's got to want to play star in at least one movie where at the beginning of it, you like him. And at the end of it, you like him. <laughs> Because that doesn't come up a lot for that dude. It does not. I mean, I, he's got to be picking these. I may, maybe that's all he gets typecasted now. I don't know. But who? I'm sure typecasting is part of it. But also, I just think that guy sees an opportunity to get paid frequently. He's like, I know I can do this. Yeah, it's fair. Let he's, me sign up. He's like, what do we think about the J. Edgar Hoover interpretation? I mean, it's fine. I, I actually don't have any mental images of J. Edgar Hoover. It was hard for me not to see Martin Sheen. I could definitely hear Martin Sheen. You know, the thing with J. Edgar Hoover, uh, it, it's kind of like what we were talking about with One Night in Miami. I sort of compared the, uh, the performances against other performances. I've seen so many fucking people play J. Edgar Hoover at this point. It's hard to even think of what the real guy was like. And this seemed like a pretty general J. Edgar, J. Edgar Hoover. Really, the only other, the, the one other thing that I kept thinking when I when we, I watched uh, this movie is how I feel like this same movie could be made, and I don't really know what era it would be in. You know, maybe like late seventies, mid eighties, somewhere around there. Uh, about J. Edgar Hoover, where it's about like what a hero he is for taking out all these insurrectionists, right. uh, and like I don't know, like it, it's just. You know, there's there's so much in our history that we'll never know because the the bad people who did it never wrote it down. Uh, right. But it's just uh, you know, I I could absolutely see how you know the perspective on this movie and the way you choose to spin it or the story uh, has a great outcome on on what kind of story is told. I just think what's interesting, maybe to me anyway, does anyone actually have a positive opinion of J. Edgar Hoover? Like, is there a person who actually thinks kindly of that guy? Because he's one person who we all agree to me is just a scumbag. And yet 
I mean, he's very influential in American history in the 20th century, but it, does anyone view him in a positive light? I'm just curious more so than anything. I'm not sure I either. Think, I don't think anyone living does. I think there was probably people from my grandparents' generation who did, but they're mostly all gone. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I mean, because, you know, I don't think the things that we know about him now really started to trickle down till, you know, till like the 80s. I don't, I don't like when this was happening, I don't yeah. think people knew that about J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, interesting. Yeah. Is there anything else we want to get to on uh, Judas and the Black Messiah? No, the only thing I'd recommend is, yeah, it's on HBO Max. You should watch it. I think that's it for our uh, HBO Max double feature. Uh, what have we been watching this past week, guys? And I know you're going to ask me about WandaVision, Christian. I don't know. Should we do it? We're two episodes back now. And how many episodes are there going to be in this season? Do we know? Is it nine? I, I think there's two more episodes. There's two more there's, episodes. There's okay. some internet conspiracy theory that there's nine episodes, but there's no real proof of it. Okay, okay. So, uh, I mean, I'm okay with I'm okay with with catching up now, but then maybe we save the last two for. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But it sounds uh, uh, so I I couldn't quite tell. Does that mean you want to do the yes? The, no, let's do, the, let's, okay. do, let's do one division. <laughs> okay, so we we had the '80s very um, Wonder Years Full Housey episode, and then the '90s. Uh, very Malcolm in the Middle show. Um, and this was very much kind of what you wanted, Joseph, which is that we got both timelines. Yep. This is what I wanted. Yep. It's finally the show that I hoped it would be. I, hush, son. Uh, I I kind of, I, I said this when we were all together when we were hanging out on Saturday, but I feel like this show, I am trying to talk. <laughs> uh this show like elicits emotions and responses to where you're like, I mean, I wish it would really do this. And then the very next episode, it does that thing that you said, <laughs> I'm going to have to go guys. This is not working. I don't think <laughs> it's very charming. I, you know, I honestly just ho- want you uh, to edit out the part, the child noises. So it sounds like Christian is telling you hush son. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that was, you know, very simp and is strong. <laughs> He's in a much better mood now that he's awake. So <laughs> I totally lost my train of thought. You guys, what did you think? You know, uh, I, uh, of course, I like this a lot. Uh, th- this show is still going good. Uh, the uh, This is definitely, I agree, the show I thought it was going to be the whole time. But I'm more that I'm glad it took that long to get here. I'm more that, you know, it set up the mystery of what was going on. And now we're finding out. I think it's, you know, better pay off better storytelling uh you know i don't know how soon we want to get into the big uh reveal of the end of the first of these two episodes but it definitely i feel like i knew that at some point i have and- a hard time imagining there's people that are still listening to this that haven't started watching wandavision so i'm good <laughs> to go into the spoilers well I had a feel for some reason, I think at some point I knew that they were going to use the X-Men uh, Quicksilver in this, but I'd forgotten it. So it really blew my mind. When I don't know. Did we know that? I can't remember. I mean, we knew Evan Peters was in the show. Oh, OK. We didn't know that he was playing Quicksilver, but I, mean, I guess yeah, it's a logical choice. I think I had just forgotten even that. Aspect. Yeah, I, I had forgotten, so. too. So, yeah, it was it was that was a good, solid sit up in the bed moment. The question I have is we we know he's not like the quicksilver uh you know he's not aaron taylor johnson but is he actually even her brother 
right uh, right is the question you know like uh we haven't really gotten into like the power set or whatever but even for vision she required a corpse to reanimate him uh and so i'm curious you know what that body is and whether the inside of it is actually you know whether it's somebody impersonating her brother or it's she's actually like re-manifested her brother from something else well i I think the thing about it i'm happiest about is as soon as i saw it i was like okay we know for sure now this is not where where they're going to introduce mutants everyone on the internet can be disappointed and that always makes me happy that actually makes me happy too yeah, because there's no way they can explain what this is and double down on showing, oh, and 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 from this comes from mutants. It would just be too fucking convoluted. Marvel, by and large, keeps it simple in the movies. Yeah. Do you think, you, you still think that after they did in this past week's where they did the whole rewriting, the being in there is rewriting their DNA? Oh, man, no, that's a good point. I don't know. There have been a few things in there that make you think that you know, um, that maybe we're leading to something, but I think it's rope it ups. Just like oh, a shit. few episodes. I didn't even mentioned- ki- I didn't even consider that, Christian. That's actually I feel like <coughs> a, a pretty good backdoor into mutants. Because well, like- uh, my, my my initial impression was when they did Quicksilver, I was like, uh, you know, I thought, okay, is this like, you know, pulling him from a different dimension type of thing? Um, and that those X-Men movies are canon, they're just in a different universe was my initial reaction. And then after watching last week, I'm like, okay, I don't think this is Quicksilver at all. Um, but I did think to myself, maybe that kind of the rope-a-dope thing you're talking about, Jehu, it was initially intended to be that, and it still is going to be that, just not in the way anyone anticipated. Right, right. Well, you know, a couple uh, episodes ago, they also mentioned cosmic radiation. So, you know, that would lead one to believe, oh, maybe this is leading towards the Fantastic Four. I think it's all smoke and mirrors. I think it's just to get the internet popping, but I could be wrong. Fair enough. Uh, I am also just generally pleased with how much more horror-y it's gotten. Right. Uh, that's that's really that's really doing it for me. So I'm, I've I've enjoyed that aspect of the show. The whole uh, vision trying to to like crawl out of the bubble thing was fucking phenomenal. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> it is it is crazy that it's like. Uh, it's horary for a nigh indestructible robot. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor uh, guys died three times. I know, no <laughs> kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think, uh, is there anything else we want to talk about for WandaVision? Uh, I have feel like I've started noticing some of the Easter eggs and spoilers a bit more the farther we've gotten into this. I really enjoy the kick-ass reference since both Aaron Taylor Johnson and Evan sure. Peters are in kick-ass. Right. Um, and I thought that, while well, cheesy, I thought the fact that they did the costumes was fun. Even for the boys doing, like, Wiccan. I thought yeah. they were all, like, you know, I thought it was a fun nod. Especially I because, too. I guess, like... Joss Whedon told Elizabeth Olsen she'll never wear the comic accurate costume. And like ever since then, it's been like her mission to make sure Wanda <laughs> wore like the helmet. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah. Uh, Christian, do you want to talk about what you've been watching these past two weeks as as quickly uh, as you can? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I listen, I watched stuff that it wasn't a lot of it not worth talking about. The one thing I guess I will talk about was, um, I, you know, we've talked a lot on this podcast how none of us are, friend, are, are, are fans of horror um, but I do enjoy a good paranormal like documentary, even though they never find evidence of ghosts yep. or Bigfoot or aliens. Um, so I was familiar with the Cecil Hotel. I was familiar with the disappearance of Elisa Lamb. So I watched the new Netflix documentary 
crime at the Cecil Hotel or crime scene at the Cecil Hotel, the Elisa Lamb story, which is a four part documentary about the disappearance of Elisa Lamb in 2013 and all the extremely weird crap that happened. Uh, both in that case and at the Cecil Hotel in downtown Los Angeles. Uh, are you guys familiar with this story? I'm not, no. So Elisa Lamb was a 21-year-old college student, kind of like on a, a self-discovery tour. She was from Canada. She comes to Los Angeles. Uh, the Cecil Hotel, famous hotel built in like 1910 uh, in downtown LA, was really like you know, bell of the ball kind of thing until the great depression happened. So it only lasted about 15 years before it became like slumlord city. She, she ends up staying at the hotel. It's in the middle of skid row and she goes missing. And 20 days later, they find her body in the water tank on top of the building. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 The only evidence they ever had was a video of her in the elevator where she's acting all bizarre, like she's talking to somebody and nobody's there and she's making strange movements. I remember and, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it caught the internet on fire. It was February of 2013. Um, <clears throat> so the, the documentary, there is actually Discovery Plus as like a more paranormal version where, you know, are there spirits that, in, you know, in, yeah. interrogated and captivated Elisa Lamb. This one's more like she stopped taking her bipolar medicine. She likely was on a bipolar episode. She climbed to the roof and committed suicide. Um <laughs> But still pretty interesting. It still sounds interesting- like it'd be interesting. That whole story was very like it 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 would it was just cryptic enough that you're just like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. So like there are really weird you a synchronicity is like a group of coincidences and there are so many like synchronicities with this story like for example like two weeks after she disappeared there was a tuberculosis outbreak on skid row the test for tuberculosis is called a lamb elisa test uh and the school she went to is like famously where they uh study uh people with tuberculosis so like it's just all sorts of weird stuff around this it's the exact same plot as the movie dark water a uh, woman goes in like an abandoned hotel. Some weird shit happens in an elevator. They end up finding a dead body in the water tank on top of the hotel. Um, like some weird shit. Yeah. Uh, so th- if you're into that kind of stuff, check it out. It's what's better the, than Transformers. Again? Crime scene at the Cecil Hotel. It's a four hour documentary on Netflix. Fair it's enough. four parts, but it's 20 hours. Yeah. yeah. Hurt, what you got? Man, uh, you know, I'll try to go through it quick, uh, but I actually have a lot more stuff than I usually have. Oh, shit. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, since my since my mom was in town, uh, you know, uh, and I have HBO Max and she does not. She's been watching a lot of movies on HBO Max. So I've been watching a lot of movies where there's no like decapitation or boobies, you know, stuff you watch with your mom. Uh, <clears throat> you, you ever watch a movie that you start off thinking you're going to hate it for one reason and then you end up hating it for a different reason? Yes. Uh, have you guys have you guys watched Irresistible? It sounds familiar. Tell me about it's it. It's the it's the no, Steve Carell political movie. Yeah, no, I avoided no, no. it. It looked directed by John Stewart, right? It didn't look yes. good. I assure you, the reason you think it sucks, it sucks for a long time, and then it sucks for a completely different reason. <laughs> like it it starts off that it's trying to be this sort of Capra-esque, but from a political world of like a of like a big city guy from a big city coming to a town and not understanding these small town Andy Griffin folks and, you know, and him adjusting to their world, maybe them adjusting a little to his and they're all learning something. And it seems like it's going to be that thing. And then 
there's a twist at the end that is it's basically like, ha ha, I'm not really making you watch this. I've been making you watch a completely different thing. And it's so unbelievable that instead of, I think he really thought it would redeem the first part of the movie, but instead it's just, you watch like a bad movie and then another different bad thing at the end. Oh, that's unfortunate. And, and then I guess, cause he was worried he hadn't nailed it. <laughs> over the credits he has a real life expert come on and explain how this thing you saw that is not believable could totally happen like it's it's so bad and um you know uh it and also like the whole the whole point of the movie ends up being a big dick to sort of super packs and you know like uh, what you call it, uh, Steve, uh, Stephen Colbert devoted like months of the Colbert report to doing a thing on super PACs that just did was so much better than this. I don't know why he would step to something his buddy had already done. <laughs> so definitely worse than Transformers on this. Uh, I won't spend long, much time on this one. I watched Downhill with uh, with Julie's Dreyfus and Will yeah, Ferrell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really liked it a lot. It, oh, really? Uh, it taps into that part of me that loves the misery of everybody loves Raymond, but it's not pretending to be dumb at all. <laughs> there, there's parts of it. That's not great. There's like a European pansexual woman in it that like, seems like she's from a regular Will Ferrell movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, like she seems very out of place, but overall it's, it's a good movie. I liked it a lot uh, better than transformers. Two more. I'll go through them really quick uh, for Valentine's day. Uh, Sarah wanted to go see Willie's wonderland and that shit's a hoot. Uh, are you guys familiar with what it is? No. Is that the Nick Cage one? It is the Nick Cage movie. Uh, the only thing I knew about it going into it is that everybody says it's a ripoff of a video game called Five Nights at Freddy. I, I'm not familiar with that many games, so I have no clue. But basically, Nicolas Cage is trapped in like a showbiz pizza where the, where the animatronics are possessed and trying to kill them. Uh, it is a hoot. I, I've always said I'm very pro Nicolas Cage. I think he gets a bad rap uh, and he seems like he has fun in this. And there is a specific thing about his performance in it that I will not spoil. That's just fucking excellent. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, if you're looking for if you're I mean, if you're looking for something that's going to change your life, this isn't it. This is just a dumb, fun movie that, you know, kind of, you know, teeters the line between between being an actual horror movie and a spoof of a horror movie but I, yeah. I had a lot of fun with it and finally last thing after watching that for valentine's day later in the day we just kind of accidentally watched two weeks notice that's a good romantic comedy better than transformers i don't know if we covered that on our rom-com episode but it's fun both those people are charming uh hugh grant and uh and why can't I, uh sandra bull hmm. better than transformers that's all i got look at you go that's quite yeah. a d diverse spread you had there. I mean, uh, considering I usually have to fight to think of one thing, it's crazy that I had four this I'm, I'm very impressed. Uh, well, very good. I watched a couple. So, you know, uh, HBO has slowly been accumulating all of the DC streaming services uh, content. Uh, right. And so they've put on several of the, the DC animated universe movies, which I used to really love when they were really good. And they've kind of fallen off for me. But right. I watched uh, Batman Hush and Wonder Woman Bloodlines. Right on. 
uh, Batman Hush was a lot better than I expected. I, you know, I've never, re- I've never read a, a single comic in my life, but I know the Batman Hush story. Uh, and I feel like the movie makes some of the things that I think are really stupid about that story less stupid. Right. Uh, so I, I was, was pleasantly surprised by it. Uh, but, you know, uh, I watched Wonder Woman Bloodline. So there's two Wonder Woman movies. There's Wonder Woman from like, I don't know, 2011, 2013, whatever. That's pretty good. Uh, but I feel like recent Wonder Woman movies are making me less feminist uh, <laughs> because I, I used to be like, yeah, Wonder Woman's a great character. There's a lot of things you can do with her. She's a, got a cool history. She's got cool power. She's real neat. And now I'm like, does Wonder Woman suck? Uh, <laughs> right. It's it's real bad. It's fucking terrible. And I, 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 like, I like the angle that they seem to be moving towards, which is uh, kind of Wonder Woman, like killing them with kindness. As, as an alternative to fighting. Uh, right. You know, historic, not historically, but at least the last 20 years, uh, Wonder Woman's been kind of one of the more like belligerent members of the Justice League. I think, you know, kind of compensatory to not be too feminine. Uh, so right, now no, like, totally. There's, there's been a move to make her sort right, of so, a so, warrior princess. So, I, all right, I feel like there's this kind of a swing back to be like, oh, she can fight and she can be compassionate. Uh, but this story sucks nuts. So... <laughs> Please don't watch it. It's real, real bad. Wonder Woman bloodlines should be scourged from the earth. Uh, and then the last thing I, I wanted to mention, you know, of course I'm watching a bunch of anime, but the only one I really wanted to re-mention uh, is the Wonder Egg priority fucking rocks. It's so good. There's there's six episodes in and everyone fucking kills it. Uh, it was It's one of those things where I got worried early on that like i don't know if this has ever happened to you but like there's too much good shit early on and i'm like can they keep this up right uh but so far they can so i'm i'm super down with it wonder egg priority it's great uh but i think that's it unless you guys have anything else well even if we did there's no time yep i I thought i thought christian was gone i was like either he's (laughs) he's muting himself like he's me or he's gone but uh yeah no i don't have anything else and next, you know, next week we'll do something. Maybe a best of a year. Maybe a know, who knows. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, if you have any suggestions, you can reach us at realphonies@gmail.com and let us know. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at realphonies and on, in- and on Instagram at real underscore phonies. Thanks to Zach Evans for our and Brian Velasquez for our thing. We'll see you guys later. Later.